health naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre, and uh, diet and arthritis and other inflammatory diseases, mm. Dennis. As I said at the beginning of the program, Jane, this is a controversial topic, and I know there will be medical practitioners, rheumatologists out there that will tend to be a little bit negative about what I'm going to say. But what I'm going to say is basically to give encouragement for people that perhaps have tried everything that's available and are still not winning and entirely dependent on powerful immunosuppressant or anti-inflammatory drugs. This is not in any way at all meant to contradict, put down in any way at all the mainstream medicine for uh, rheumatoid conditions because if you've got rheumatoid arthritis, you know all about it. But the interesting thing is there are examples in recent times of people, particularly medical practitioners, who were stricken down with rheumatoid arthritis, uh, were limited as far as what they could do. Their own medications weren't giving them the results that they thought they should have had. And one of those was an American uh, doctor called Dr. Colin Dong, D-O-N-G, obviously. Uh, He would be referred to, I guess, as a Chinese-American who, uh, practising as a medical practitioner, conventional medical practitioner, was stricken down with rheumatoid arthritis and wheelchaired and was very, very compromised. He decided to do something that was pretty radical. He decided to reflect back on his own ethnic diet and began to realise that there could be a correlation between some of the emphases in the American diet and the development of inflammatory diseases. So what he did was basically start to live as he would have lived if he were living uh, in an ordinary village situation in China. And he cut out a number of foods from his diet that are traditionally very strong components of the American and even our diet. And what he did was replace it, if you like, with a Chinese emphasis. For instance, one of the basics of his treatment, of his diet that he tried on himself, was to completely go off red meat. The argument being that in villages in China, particularly of his era, red meat was a luxury. So he went off red meat. He decided also to forego dairy products. And a lot of my patients, even today, will confess that they're reactive to dairy products. So he went off dairy products. He went off fruit. Uh, People say, raise their eyebrows. He's not the only medical practitioner. Uh, There was a doctor, um, Wehrland, a Scandinavian doctor, who wrote a book called Rebuilding Health uh, that pointed out the downside of fruit in the diet. Now, that's controversial, and I'm not suggesting everyone take that on board. But he developed this dietary emphasis, essentially dissenting from red meat, Um, going off dairy products, uh, not eating fruit, and replacing it in the diet with a typical Asian emphasis on seafood, 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 seafood. In other words, his diet was a big fish diet, uh, as many vegetables, Jane, as you could possibly eat. So people that raise their eyebrow or eyebrows at Dong's emphasis on cutting out fruit, that don't or doesn't need to be seen as a negative because all the vegetables that are typically used by Asian people in in a conventional Asian diet are piled into his dietary program. So a lot of vegetables, a lot of seafood, any seafood by the way, uh, and a lot of rice and a few other things 
And by the way, if listeners are interested in getting a copy of the diet, I'll obviously send it to you, free of charge, from my rooms in 39 Alma Road, New Lambton, if you send a stamp addressed envelope. Now, what happened? And that's only a very short explanation of his, of his dietary approach, Jane. It's a little bit more expanded than that. But you can see the radical descent that he took at some of the emphases in the Western diet. Other things were eliminated also, all colouring agents, for instance, all preservatives. It was a big movement back to traditional, simple vegetables in their crude, raw state, and if they were cooked, cooked in a conventional Asian way. He got himself out of his wheelchair. He did. He got himself out of his wheelchair and was so impressed that he wrote a book that can still be obtained. He might have to uh, Google it up and get it from Amazon, but it can still be obtained. It was called New Hope for Arthritis Sufferers. I'll say it again. It's a book entitled New Hope for Arthritis Sufferers by Dr Colin Dong, in which he explains in great detail the basics of what we're talking about. Now, even more interestingly, when he wrote that book, people in the United Kingdom, a couple of them particularly, uh, read it, and a couple of them were uh, Scottish people living in a very cold and wet part of Scotland. And they were seafarers, and uh, the, the, the man Jim Andrews was the man's name. Uh, his wife was Judy Andrews. Um, Jim was a great sailor and loved the sea, but suddenly he was stricken down with rheumatoid arthritis and was getting nowhere. He was a bit sceptical when his wife, uh, Jane, or Judy, uh, gave him a book to read on Dong's diet. He was sceptical, as many males are. But he read the book and decided, well, you know, and he poured in a store. Give it a go. He gave it a go. And from his sceptical, typical male masculine viewpoint, he suddenly found that his hands could work again. And as a result of that, he was so impressed that he and his wife, Judy, wrote a book which I consider to be, well, I might be a bit biased, even a bit better than Dong's book, and it's entitled Food for Arthritics. Food for Arthritics by Judy and Jim Andrews. It's a diet that is essentially a reiteration of what, to Dong, what Dr Dong said in his book, and the proof of the pudding is in the eating. I've actually <laughs> used this book to try to impress sceptical uh, therapists out there that, look, it may not work for everyone, but if you are really plagued, really plagued with, with painful inflammatory joint disease, my view is search around, look on the net, get hold of the dietary program developed by Dr Colin Dong. You can show your GP, your rheumatologist. I'm sure they won't be too concerned about it. So long as you don't go off the medication you've been prescribed, the GP or the rheumatologist will reduce your medication if the dietary program has benefit. It is essentially what we call in medicine today an elimination diet. Yes, That's what it is. It's an elimination Mm. diet. And many of the emphases in it I totally agree with. I'm a big fish eater and I don't eat a lot of red meat. And it might interest listeners to know that my, uh, um, how can I call it, my movement into natural medicine well over 40 years ago now was as a result of using radical dietary ideas, an elimination diet developed by the Scandinavian doctor, Dr. Arlie Wehrland, called up in his book Rebuilding Health, which I still have, In that book was a dietary program, an elimination diet, 
that purported to break through on eczema. And I, as a young engineer, was uh, very compromised uh, in Sydney with, with, um, with eczema. And going on to his program, eczema wet. Excellent. So there we go. There's a couple of examples of where dietary modification Make a big uh, difference. makes a difference. And look, it does require a bit of conviction, dedication and perseverance. But I'll tell you what, if you have eczema or if you have rheumatoid arthritis and you're fed up with steroids and you're fed up with cortisonal creams and you're fed up with injections... You'll try anything, particularly if it's not going to cost you any money. Indeed. On Health Naturally, of course, this doesn't cost you any money either. <laughs> doesn't and we're talking about uh, diets, of course. And uh, Dennis Stewart, um, when Dong had his experiment on himself, yeah. um, is he the only one who'd ever thought of doing that kind of thing? I don't think so. Well, I mean, Dong is a, a relatively modern medical practitioner practising in, in the US late in the 20th century. But if you go back earlier in the, uh, in the, in the, in the 20th century, um, I've mentioned already the name of a Dr. Ari Wehrland, W-A-E-R-L-A-N-D. He was another one of these doctors that I've intimated had a, a dissenting attitude towards much of medicine that was being practised at that time. And he again sought to uh, point out that many diseases that we as Westerners experience could have a strong dietary basis. And he was a dissenter from the, from the European emphasis on stacks of meat, stacks of fatty foods, if you like, uh, the rich bourgeois type of lifestyle that was associated with many of his clients, many of whom subsequently went to his clinic and were treated by his technique. And he, his ideas were similar to those of Colin Dong, albeit he approached it more from a European perspective. But there again, his approach was to emphasise incredibly the role of a diet that was structured around fresh fruits and vegetables. He didn't like fruit, again, for he, he saw problems with fruit, not only in the amount of sugar that's sometimes within fruit. Oh, there's a lot, isn't there? There is. But he was also worried at that time at the way in which fruit was subjected to so much uh, pesticidal activity. So his emphasis, again, was a lot of vegetables, no red meat whatsoever, no red meat whatsoever. Uh, and also, interestingly, in his approach, he practised a typical European technique of having periodic short fasts. Hmm. Now, this doesn't mean uh, anything more than, say, a day or two, where eating was foregone, and in place of that, he emphasised the uh, the taking of vegetable juices, not fruit juices, but vegetable juices. So there was a commonality of ideas. Essentially, the idea was elimination, an elimination diet. They all seemed to dissent from the way in which a lot of animal protein um, could be associated with the development of, of a, a body chemistry that has inflammatory uh, possibilities. So there's another example, and his book, Rebuilding Health, as I said earlier, is a book that um, I purchased years ago, and uh, it still is valid today. So there are two references for listeners out there that want to explore this a bit more. I know there's been a lot of interest in my comments about Jarvis's book on 
folk medicine and the role of apple cider vinegar and honey, well, this should stimulate some interest also, particularly those that are fluent with the net, in getting on, looking at Dong and looking at Wehrland, W-A-E-R-L-A-N-D, his book Rebuilding Health. There are two dietary proponents, both of them coming from mainstream medicine, taking a dissenting point of view and arguing that medicine needed to be practised along the Greek idea of food being the best medicine. Now, we just had a call from Peter, but Peter seems to have dropped out that line. We'd love to hear from you again, optic neuritis. But diet uh, is also one of our topics today. And also we should mention, Jane, that following up this topic, that probably one of the, uh, if not the best-known uh, clinic in the world, based in Switzerland, is known as the Berkebener Clinic. Now, that goes back again to the ideas of a Dr. Ralph Berker, B-I-R-C-H-E-R. Um, he was a doctor also and was concerned about the way in which uh, Western or European medicine was predominantly structured around uh, an accelerating level of drugs. Now, you and I know that I'm not opposed to drug therapy. It's obviously necessary where it's called for. But what he was concerned about was that not enough emphasis was being taken at treating certainly inflammatory diseases from the point of view of looking at factors in the diet that, pro that promoted inflammatory activity. So his clinic became one of the best-known clinics in the world, and you wouldn't believe it, the emphasis was again a very, very strong uh, vegetarian emphasis as a curative diet. Now, that doesn't mean to say that one needs to be a vegetarian for one, all of one's life, although some people choose to be so. Some of the healthiest people in the world uh, are vegetarian people. And interestingly, um, uh, Seventh-day Adventist people, those that practice uh, vegetarianism, their health profile uh, tends to be superior to that of the health profile of the mainstream, I suggest again, because Ellen G. White brought into that movement a great deal of emphasis on fresh foods, vegetarianism and the use of herbs. So there again, all those things point to at least the possibility that in dietary modification there may be the possibility of limiting the chemistry that stimulates inflammation. Dennis, here's Kerry who's rung in from Redhead. Burning mouth syndrome, Kerry. Oh, yes. Hello, and hello, Dennis. Um, good, thank you. Look, uh, I was just wondering if um, you're talking about arthritis and diets and elimination diets sure, and so sure. on. Sure. And I was just wondering, um, and I don't have any of those problems, but I do get this burning mouth, and I was just wondering if an elimination diet or something like that would help that, what or herbs and what, or something. What management are you having for it presently, Kerry? Uh, well, I had it about four years ago, and yes. it took quite a few months to go. Oh, what sort of and, treat? What sort of treat well, I was uh, taking um, 600 um, mils of milligram things of um, uh, lipoic acid yes. and uh, cleaning my teeth with uh, carb, um, bicarb soda. Yes. And um, that's about it. And strangely enough, one thing that really helped when it just got so bad later in the afternoons, uh, I'd give it a, 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 my mouth a, a wash out with um, 
um, Listerine, and that seemed to help. I mean, I know that sounds strange, but it seemed to desensitise my mouth. But I'm, I'm just wondering whether, should I, am I lacking vitamins or something to cause this? Um, this is a, not an easy condition to address because, as you point out, it's called burning mouth syndrome. So that in itself indicates, like so many syndromes, that there's not necessarily any specific ex- explanation for it. But I'm always always a big fan, as a result of using the B-complex over many years, I'm always a big fan of suggesting for any oral conditions uh, or even conditions exterior to the mouth, like cor- uh, uh, like uh, cracks in the corner of the mouth, uh, cracking of the tongue, etc., I'm always a big fan of suggesting a trial on a B-complex vitamin and a high po- well, a high potency B-complex vitamin. Okay. Now, the, good, and the, you... the good thing about that, that approach is the B vitamins, as you would know, are water soluble. Therefore, right. therefore, they are very safe. So I would suggest to start with you do that. Okay. And the 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 other thing that I'm, I'm going to suggest. And this might sound a little bit uh, left field also, but it's worthwhile and it's not going to cost you anything seriously. Um, the herb licorice is not just, yes. is not just the, the basis of licorice confectionery, uh, but, mm. but licorice is a very potent medicinal herb that has a particular affinity for the gut, the mucosa of the gut, and also, right. for, also for the oral mucosa. So when I'm uh, treating um, conditions of the mouth ulceration and things like that, I will very frequently prescribe a mouthwash that is three parts licorice and two parts glycerin. And where, where can you get that from? Uh, where do you live? Uh, at Redhead. Okay. Uh, if there is a compounding pharmacist around there, they should be able to make that. But if not, if not, mm. and I say this about all the things I say, if you can't locate it, Locally, you can always get it made or dispensed from my rooms in 39 Alma Road, New Lambton. Now, that has helped a lot of people, particularly symptomatically. And licorice is not just a soother. Licorice has some genuine um, anti-inflammatory characteristics that may address the inflammation that might be behind what you're doing. Right, so, so you don't you don't swallow it. You just mouth wash well, it. Well, it, it wouldn't matter if you did swallow it, but ideally, mm. um, the mixture is just used as the basis of a mouthwash. You'd probably put five mils in a small right. in a small tumbler of water, and and okay. you use it a couple of times daily. It's not nasty. Mm. It's not nasty right. at all. Glycerin is combined with the licorice because glycerin will promote a more adhesive effect of the licorice extract on the oral mucosa. So if I was in your situation, and again based on having used this little combination for very many years to address many, many weird conditions, geographical tongue, mouth ulcers, these sorts of things, try that, but give, okay. yourself, give yourself also a couple of months on the, concent- mm. on the concentrated B-complex vitamin. Now use, okay. the, use that. If that doesn't help, come back in a couple of months and we can walk through it a bit. But I'd be surprised if you didn't get some benefit, Kerry. Thank you very much, Dennis. That see, sounds great. See, Two, see things to do. Two things right. to do. Thanks so much, Ben. Okay. Thank you, Kerry, for your call. 49216216 to get your question through to Dennis today. Um, so there are lots of things, Dennis, that um, actually doing things with your diet or whatever can help. 
I, I believe very strongly in that, as I've uh, been saying all through the program, my presence in natural medicine has a lot to do with my own uh, utilisation of radical eliminatory dietary programs to break through my, my very serious eczema many, many, many years ago. So I don't need to be convinced about it. But now that doesn't rule out the importance of, of mainstream medicine. It, it points out, however, that sometimes using a radical, safe approach, particularly in, in critical areas where it's being monitored by a medical practitioner, that can sometimes lead to a situation where a condition can be quietened down or where it can be managed with less drug therapy. That's all I'm saying today. And there are a lot of people out there, a lot of people out there who are pulling their hair out because they have conditions that are not responding to the mainstream. Now, natural medicine hasn't got all the answers at all. But by gee, sometimes a radical approach using diet and herbs can do something to make the condition that much better. So we've been talking to date about uh, using diet to uh, help with um, different conditions, arthritis mm, mm. and inflammatory conditions. How do herbs and other supplements fit into that, Dennis? Look, they fit in very well. Um, to give an example, I mentioned earlier the, uh, the work by the Scandinavian doctor, Dr. Wehrland, and his book, Rebuilding Health. Uh, he was a great exponent, as I've just said, of eliminatory dietary procedures, uh, but also being a European, uh, having been raised on herbs, as many Europeans are, even though he was a medical practitioner, he had great regard for herbs as uh, softer medications to be used in conjunction with his unique eliminatory dietary approach. To give an example, in his book, Rebuilding Health, he had a section at the back of the book on the use of willow bark and silver birch. And I was so impressed in re-reading that book recently. That's what I'm doing at this very ancient stage of my life, re-reading stuff that I'd purchased years ago. He pointed out in an article there that I subsequently had reprinted for my patients and clients the way in which during the Second World War, when drugs were in short supply, particularly in Europe, the use of the willow bark with silver birch, two very, very well-known European herbs, particularly silver birch, the use of those two herbs in combination, used as a herbal tea, gave very, very useful results in inflammatory joint disease. Now, that shouldn't surprise us because willow bark is renowned for its chemistry. A lot of people don't understand that aspirin is really based, if you like, on substances initially found in the willow bark and the herb meadowsweet. So never ever overlook the potential, even as a simple tea, that incorporates the willow bark and silver birch. I've been so impressed that I've had that tea manufactured recently. It's a simple preparation, inexpensive, as herbal medicine should be inexpensive. This is a good way of looking at probably the most popular and credible herb that has been used to address serious inflammatory conditions, even rheumatoid arthritis. Well, 49216216 is the number for your question, and Casey's rung that number from Thornton. And you've got a question about chest infections, Casey. Yes, yes. Well, I've been off work for a week now. My husband and I have both had <coughs> chest infection. Yes. We've had two lots of antibiotics mm. and steroids. And <coughs> even though we're improving, we're not, um, we're not 100%. And really would like an alternative treatment to the antibiotics. 
Well, the antibiotics are useful to cover the, 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 the initial infection, but obviously uh, you've got to break through the recurrence of the infection. And this is where I think that the use of, of sensible herbs can be of value. Um, I have a formula that um, is, is named after a very elderly lady in Gosford, uh, Mrs. McGregor, who, like yourself, well, had had a long history of respiratory infections. And she did well on a liquid combination. Have you got a pencil and pen? Okay. Yeah. Well, interestingly, the formula can be dispensed from my rooms at 39 Alma Road, um, uh -huh. where we have a liquid dispensary. But the crucial herbs are Echinacea yeah. and the European herb Elecampane, E-L-E-C-A-M-P-A-N-E. -E. Now, those two okay. herbs form the basis of a five-herb combination, which I have prescribed for over 40 years for recurrent bronchitis and other respiratory infections, where it is not used to compete with the necessary use of the antibiotic, but where it is used as a means of breaking into the recurrence of the infection. So it's well, a very useful thing to you, for you to be thinking about. It may mean you might have to come down to New Lambton and have it made, unless you can get it made locally, and that's fine. But they're the, the, the key herbs to it. Echinacea and elecampane in a five-herb formula, I'd be most surprised if that didn't get you out from where you are. Okay, we'll come down. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, that sounds like a good direction yep, to yep, take. Yep. And 49216216, and that's the number that Ursula rang. Ursula from Edgeworth, and you're, well, we were talking about willow bark, and you've got a comment on willow bark. Have you, Ursula? I, I've got a question, actually, yes. quite important, because yes. I am on uh, my carters yes. for blood pressure. Yes. And have a call for a lick cholesterol. Yes. And I also take Panadol Osteo. Yes. Would willow bark and silver birch be suitable to be taken on top of that? In my opinion, there would be no clashing, in my opinion. Correct. Um, and many patients use the willow bark and silver birch tea because yes. it can frequently lessen the need to use mainstream medications. It's made as a simple tea. It's, uh, it's unlikely to interact with the medication you're taking. It may be the not, maybe not the most pleasant tea in the world, although if it's flavoured with a bit of honey, it can be readily taken. But uh, if, you, if, you, if you were to come um, to, uh, to Alma Road to pick up the tea, ask for the article from Dr. Whelan's book that I, okay. that I drew on to justify the modern um, reinvention of this old formula, which was the mainstay of anti-inflammatory medication used in Europe during the Second World War when drugs were very scarce. Okay, thank you for that. Okay. And I must thank you because years ago I came to you with a rattle in my chest. Oh, did you? Okay. And you gave me some most unpleasant medication, I must admit. Yeah. You did warn me, yeah. but it did the job, it did the trick. Well, it probably and hasn't I'm changed so too much. It probably hasn't changed too much, and the lady I've just spoken to will probably be given the same thing. So there you go. But I mean, our, our materia medica doesn't change very much. When I look at the modern editions of of, uh, of MIMS, um, either on the computer or on my desk, I, I shake my head and think, how is it possible that a medical practitioner could even keep up to speed with the reinventions going on with pharmaceuticals? When I look at the herbs that I'm using today and see that they're pretty well unchanged from the, from the time of the Greeks.
That's amazing, isn't it? And we're from Mount Hutton on 4921616. It's Luke here, is it? Yes, Lukia. Lukia. And uh, you've got a comment. You've got something to say about cinnamon and honey. Yes, uh, good afternoon, Dennis. Hello, Uh, how are you? I'm very well. You're a great man. I always find it a pleasure listening to your voice and i'm privileged to have met you in person thank you you're a great man thank you uh dennis i just have a question on uh, honey yes. and cinnamon yes. combination yes there's a lot that has been um talked about this on um, online and all those things uh, that it has a lot of healing properties yes. uh, diabetes hypertension yes. stress and all yes. those things would you like to elaborate uh, further okay. on this one what i would say is this my son-in-law, who was a professional beekeeper, um, I got him into the profession, rightly or wrongly, but he's a very competent uh, beekeeper, and they manufacture their own uh, forms of honey. His biggest seller, particularly to the ethnic community that come up from Sydney regularly to the Central Coast, his biggest seller is honey and cinnamon. And this is because many of the dear ethnic people that come up, particularly uh, those of the Islamic faith, they want the cinnamon and honey because there is a strong tradition, so my son-in-law has been told, of cinnamon and honey being used in uh, Middle Eastern countries to address many conditions, some of which you have mentioned. So I, I can, in fact, supply you with, uh, with literature on that combination, and I would be happy to do so. But you, you know my sentiments about honey, and I see it as being one of the most useful Uh, healing devices that we have it's not just a sweetener that's the wrong way of looking at honey it's a medicinal food and cinnamon is a very strong uh, medicinal herb indeed and is used uh, for addressing amongst uh, other things uh, particularly type 2 diabetes And, 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 and as it is pointed out in the modern literature the use of honey is not necessarily contradicted in the treatment or the management of type 2 diabetes and this occurs in the literature, the modern literature written by medical professionals in the US debunking a lot of the negative stuff that's been said about honey. I'd be a great fan of cinnamon and honey. Yeah. All right, I'll definitely come to your rooms. I know where Elma Street is and... uh, Well, what what I suggest you do, Luke, to save you the trip, Send a stamp-addressed envelope to 39 Alma Road, New Lambton, and I will put in the envelope the information that I have on that combination and send it to you. What I mean, you're always welcome to come to my rooms, as anyone is, but if you're just coming to get the information, I'd be happy to send it to you uh, rather than see you make the trek in. That sounds like a, a bit of consideration. Thanks, Dennis, and thanks, Luke, here, and thanks, everyone. But we've still got a minute or a minute and a half or so to go, Dennis, where we could just wind up on, on herbs. Oh, look, something you said was you were talking about sensible herbs, and I wondered, are there any nonsensible herbs? Well, look, there are always nonsensible herbs, and this mightn't please a lot of people and out there who think that all natural substances are perfectly safe. They are not. The medicinal herbs that I speak about are herbs that have been declared safe as a result of government monitoring of them, and they've been declared safe because they have been used for thousands of years. Whenever you use a herb, particularly if it's being used for inflammatory joint condition, 
make sure it belongs to the mainstream. I worry, Jane, at the stuff that I'm seeing people getting off the net, the recommendations that are made on the net, some of it, in my opinion, is very, very questionable. So I encourage listeners to be, if anything, healthily sceptical about claims that are made for natural remedies, particularly for inflammatory joint disease. Usually the claims are made from countries where there is very little regulation about what can be claimed or said for a product. Stick with the mainstream stuff, the willow-bark-silver-birch combination, the modern use of curcumin, those sorts of herbs, and even celery seed. Those sorts of herbs are harmless, well-documented in our system. And I'll close on this note. The good thing about Western herbal medicine today is that it is very well-documented, the literature that we use is soundly based and written by some of the most prominent uh, pharmacologists, pharmacognosists and phytochemists in the world. The dosages these days are very standardised. Unlike some traditional systems of medicine, where in my opinion you take a bit of a leap of faith, the Western herbal medicine and the products that we use, in my opinion, meet the requirements of a modern analytical mind that wants to know why it's used and how it works. Thank you, Dennis Stewart. That's Health Naturally for today, and we'll catch up with some more health problems and health solutions uh, next time Health Naturally is on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>